the project Kuwait learn in today's episode Maddie Meg and Liam discuss the differences between motivation and inspiration and what has driven them to inspire and motivate people in and outside of the gym find out how you too can get motivated and inspired by today's episode all this and more in today's episode. <laughs> That's an Ellen trick. I told you. That's an Ellen trick. That's Ellen right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, how are we going to open? Like, what's, I don't know. I need like a, a tag like about motivation. I'm so tagging this at the end of the episode as a blooper. <laughs> yeah. We have no clue what we're doing right now. So, what do you guys want to do today? No. You could just... How um, did we open the last one? Welcome okay. to the project. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Welcome to the project. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the project. What's up? But we we need like a thing, like after it. A thing. All right. Yeah. Welcome to the project. We're talking about inspiration and motivation. How Liam's going to inspire and motivate me to do this interview? Yeah. <laughs> you just say yeah, like welcome to the project. Like today, we're going to get into some common myths about motivation. You know, or I like I was just saying, keep oh, that ball rolling. Oh, 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 yeah, that was all you. Go back. Or do you have a favorite like motivational quote of some kind to share? Uh, Should have prepared this. Can we just cut one in? Can we cut one in? Henry Henry Ford. Self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think something is going to happen, then it probably will happen. Or he say, if you think you'll fail, you'll end up failing. Whether you think you can or you can't. Yes, there you go. You're right. Is that him? Yep. That was was completely different. All three three of those are completely different. (laughs) But actually, I think that's a really good way to start. I think we should just have... I think we should just roll with that. We're done. We're in. Intro done. So today we're talking about inspiration, motivation with Henry Ford, whether he said something or not. Um, Three different quotes. We never never really know. Um, We'll... Probably, I think I'm even on my laptop. I'll, I'll look at it and we'll find out in the, in the <laughs> can next you, couple can minutes. You Google yeah, we'll shit. do it. We'll do it. But um, I think uh, Meg is going to give us a little bit of a, a run through about some some uh, motivation and inspiration and how it's affected her and what she does on a daily basis. I think. Yeah, um, I just think the motivation and inspiration topic is a good one to talk with um, when with clients. Like the first time uh, approaching with clients, a lot of people say the reason that they haven't been able to improve their health or make any changes is because they're lacking motivation. Um, So I think it's important to talk about a few myths when it comes to motivation and inspiration. (laughs) Um, The first one being that you always should be inspired to do healthy habits. I think that's a common myth um, that you should always feel motivated to do them um, or that experts or coaches are always motivated to do them. So I think those are some some common myths to talk about, but, uh, before getting into like why those aren't true, um, motivation and inspiration, I am curious to know like everybody's definition of those two, cause they get interchanged a lot. So like, do you have a differentiation between the two or like, how do you define motivation or inspiration? I mean, the best thing I, I look at in terms of when I look at motivation or inspiration, either, or to me, it's kind of the same thing. I've never been one to be inspired by i've always been motivated as being basically the underdog since i was four years old you know so it's always been this motivational thing almost like this chip on my shoulder that i'm the underdog 
you say I can't do it, screw you. I'm getting in your face, and I'm going to do what you said I couldn't do. If you say I can't deadlift 400 pounds, I'm going to deadlift 400 pounds. I'll break my back doing it, but I'm going to do it. And in terms of inspiration, I mean, the only inspiration I can think of is like the Chicago song. That's about it. (laughs) But I've never really gone down the inspiration route. I've never had someone really inspire me. You know, I've, I've had motivational speakers motivate me and coaches motivate me. But I mean, that's the best I got in terms of. I don't really have a clear definition of the two, to be honest. But um, I think for me, they'd be, I was literally just, my mind's been jogged by kind of different people and um, different influences that have inspired and motivated me and kind of trying to differentiate those in my head now. Um, and I definitely get inspired by people a lot. I think uh, I try and look within a lot of people and actually be inspired by people as much as possible because I think I take motivation from that. Um, okay, once I kind of see it in other people, then obviously with the position that I'm in as a coach, then I realize actually all the different behaviors and ways that I interact with people on a daily basis, like that's what maybe inspires and then eventually motivates those people. And it could even be the smallest little things. Um, and so it's a tough subject because you kind of, you, you think of all like, the Henry Ford quotes, which, just so you know, is whether you think that you can or you can't, yes. you are usually right. So, yeah, I got that one. Yeah, Nailed yeah. it. So that's, but yeah, if you kind of, those inspirational quotes, yeah, like you, see, you see them all over Instagram, you see them kind of everywhere, people using them on, and uh, in their comments or whatever. Um, yeah, they are inspirational, but kind of the way that they're used obviously they're a bit overused now but you can always delve into it and apply it to something that you're doing um or you want to do at that time um and so i think whether you take motivation from that inspiration is the difference between whether people are successful or not successful if that makes sense no that totally makes sense I um, like that and i think yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um a lot of people struggle with motivation they don't struggle to be inspired you can go and watch any film and take a message away from it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go do that. But then do they get home and go and do that thing? Um, are they actually motivated? Do they remember it when times are hard? And do they kind of remember that, that inspiration and go, okay, that's going to get me through? Because ultimately they have to be motivated themselves and turn that inspiration into action. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's what I think. I like that. For me, it's always been, it's interesting because I've asked a couple of clients this day too, motivation, inspiration, everyone's kind of agreed that motivation is more the internal side of side of it. And inspiration is something that they're drawing from someone else. Um, I've always kind of had the opposite of that. Like to me, motivation has always come from like, my teacher wants me to get this assignment done. My coach wants me to do this. My boss wants me to do this. My parents asked me to do this or someone's like pushing you to do it. That's always been that external reason to get into something. And the inspiration is like, what am I going to do that regardless, like whether anybody's going to tell me to or not, like I'm going to do it anyway. And that's like the inspiration stuff um, that I've always, that's always kind of been my differentiation between inspired is more the internal side. Like, what would I do without anybody even telling me to do it? And motivation is always like someone's pushed me to, to go towards it. And yeah, kind of the overlapping of the two of where you draw that inspiration and, and motivation from. How do you motivate? The Kuwaiti client. <laughs> I think that's the best part. Question, like yeah. from what from what you're saying, and I I love what you just said because it's it's so true to a specific like um, type of person. 
Mm-hmm. But when you come to the Kuwaiti client, I think it's an entirely different animal. Yeah, I think it's an entirely different type of person, mentality, everything. So you guys have been in the training game a lot longer than me. Um, you've worked with clients. I did it for a while. I couldn't stand it. So I got out of it mainly because I didn't have the time or the patience. Um, but how do you go about motivate, motivating the Kuwaiti client versus the half American or the American client like myself, like you got to take weights off the plate and I'm trying to fight to put them on. You know what I mean? So what would you do? Where's, where does you, for me, the, the difference in it is just me getting really clear on what kind of a service I provide. Um, when people knew I was just a physical trainer, you would get people coming in with the wrong, I don't want to say the wrong motivation, but the ones coming in thinking that, okay, I'm going to work with you two days a week and my body is going to change in a month and they're all in it for just like purely the aesthetic side of things. And my work is a little bit deeper than that. Like I, I want people who, um, who have more of a why <laughs> they're a little bit more attached to that reason. So I think me just getting more clear on what I offer as a service has helped me draw in the people that are in the right place for the motivation. Like, um, you know, it, it could be like an aging thing, a pain thing that they want to get through. But I have clients that are, They've studied abroad, some that have been in Kuwait their whole lives, some that really don't even speak much English. Um, and it's been successful all throughout and getting them motivated, but it's turning the process more inside of like, you're doing this for you. You're not doing this, you know, for your husband, for your kids, for, you know, really anybody else. It's like, why do you want to do so this? Um, so it's really like being able to get to that side and, and opening it up to that where they're willing to talk about those things. Um Cause otherwise I get some, like they just kind of deflect any of those deeper conversations and they don't, you can tell how out of touch they really are with their own reasons for wanting to do it. So for me, it's just been getting very clear on what service I do provide when someone wants to work with me. It's like, I almost have in the little, you know, interview consultation with them. And if they're purely in it for, you know, the wrong reasons, then it's like, I just straight up tell them, like, I don't think I can help you with your goals. So I, yeah, that's all. That's a good, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, to, to give them the reason of saying, okay, well, why do you want to do it? Cause that, that's a deeper question Totally, and it it takes it onto a whole different level. What about you, big guy? With what? How do you motivate the coin? Um, no, I was to say, I was like, I say big guy because you're what, 6'2", 6'3"? Like 6'6". Six, 6'6", six. Six, six, six. Six, yeah. Six, six. yeah. No shit, dude. Yeah, true. No wonder why you can power clean for no. 140 kilos. Um, in, uh, I'll be in a marathon. <laughs> marathon. <laughs> marathon lifting, maybe. No, I figure um, we'll, we'll do the round table here, you know? Might as well, right? Yeah, yeah no. Um, so, inspiring Kuwaiti client is exactly how Meg put it, to be honest. And uh, but I think she's she's definitely a step ahead in thinking you've got you got to look inwards first and kind of go, okay, what am I offering? Um, and kind of with recent events in my kind of career life as well, and I kind of reevaluated what I was offering. Um, and I kind of after you literally just said that, I realised that's pretty much what I've done, and that's why I enjoy working with my clients a lot more now they got a lot more from me i get a lot more from them um and the feedback loop is kind of a lot more closed and it's it's uh it's more successful relationship like it's kind of understanding okay why are they here what do they need can i provide it don't be embarrassed if i can't as a, as a personal trainer or coach provide it and be willing to maybe refer a peer or colleague or someone else at the gym or someone else that you know um, as a as a trainer to them who you think might be more appropriate 
um, because ultimately everyone needs that inspiration and everyone needs that motivation because you're not with them for 23 hours of the day. Even if you see them seven days a week, there's 23 hours of every other, every single day that they need to be doing what they're supposed to be doing themselves. Um, so like that, that one hour, you kind of sometimes like sometimes my, my physical training sessions turn just to sitting down and talking to people and like pretty much having a therapy or counseling session, <laughs> like something, <laughs> sometimes we're just like cheaper counselors sometimes, but like that's what, that's what it kind of turns into because actually that's what's more appropriate at that time. Like that's going to help them to go and do like two and a half hours walking or whatever it is in avenues, even if they're going shopping, but they're on their feet the whole time or whatever it is. They make a good, healthy choice that day, um, which ultimately you could argue is going to be a better thing for them to do than to kick their butt for 45 minutes and then then go off and go and eat a bag of Doritos. So many people need to realize that, that going out and having a cup of coffee with a friend with good conversation or exactly what you said, like just a, a good chat with a coach can be just as beneficial as a squat session. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's so many times where the, the session gets redirected because you can just tell, you know, when they're going to lift something, do something like what's up with the energy, what's up with the mood today, you know, what has you down. Um, and there's sometimes, yeah, it's, you just need to let them, I mean, with my clients, I've let them just kind of cry for a little bit, just a little cry session. And it's like, get it out. (laughs) And then we're going to go, you know, maybe lift some stuff if you feel better afterwards, but you do have to just let them kind of release, release that emotion. I've talked with, um, couple other physios uh around in the city and we've even talked about that just like almost offering sessions of like a cry couch and just let people come <laughs> oh in and let God, it out for a minute you're not starting a cry closet and quit please look I mean, oh, man, you can come if you want to school it's okay hey, baby, i've been coaching here for 15 years i've seen kids from 2005 till this day and i swear to god every year it gets worse and worse you know there's there's that intrinsic motivation there's there's only so much a coach and a trainer can do yeah. And I'm I'm taking it from my perspective as being a coach for 15 whatever years and being a ball player and a serious athlete. These there's only so much you can do as a coach. And mm-hmm. when the kid says, "No, I'm not going to do it." And short story, I told this kid, "All right, you're going to block baseballs." He was doing some catching drills. I said, "You know, block the ball. Every ball that you miss, you're going to do a cat hop or a ninja hop, whatever you want to call it. It's where you're on your knees and you jump back on your feet." He said, "No, I'm not doing it." This was in 2012. When that happened, I knew I was dealing with a whole different animal, right? You know, I knew it was just kids are different these days. And that motivation is, yeah, you know, you want to motivate them, but at the same time, they got to want it. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't want it, if they don't want to squat and put on the extra five pounds, you know, okay, fine. Then let's do something else. And, you know, like you said, if you want to just sit there and chat, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, motivating people as a, as a coach, all right, as, as a coach last year, and I'll use this, we were down in the championship game by one run. The best pitcher in the league was on the mound. I told my kids, I said, look, guys, we're going to win this game. You're going to go out there, and we're, we're going to win this game. We're going to walk away. We're going to beat him. And sure enough, first kid that gets up there, line drive to right field, he gets on second. The little kid no one expected it from all year long gets up, and he goes, coach, I'm going to get ahead. I said, damn right you are. This kid, I swear to God, he's like, this tall. He's literally 4'11". And he just strings the ball in center field, runs scores, ties the game. We knock that pitcher out. We go on to win game one and two, and we're champions. All because of that belief, the self-fulfilling prophecy going back to Henry Ford is, you know, you tell someone you can do it, they're going to do it. 
But if they have this defeatist attitude and they blame everything on the rest of the world and they don't want to deal with it, they're not going to deal with it. And kids are, I don't know what age specifically you're talking about, but um, with kids, I mean, they'll live up to the expectations that that you set, really. That perception, yeah, like, in their yeah, mind yeah, hasn't you're been... so right, yeah. Not a lot of stories have been built up, you know, by that time yet. Um, so, yeah, you can totally... If they could get that perception of, like, anything is possible. So, you know, it's funny, like, watch at the playground, you know, parents with their kids and stuff. And I used to nanny, and I, would, I just became very aware of the language of constantly, like, how many times are they telling their kid be careful, don't do this, don't do that, you know, versus the ones that are like encouraging their kid to climb higher, encouraging him to run faster. And it's like, what's the difference in those two, you know, when it comes to something later in life, I think just that perception that they, they can is a big, big deal. Yeah. It's huge. It is huge. I've I've done motivational talks at two schools here in Kuwait. I've done other motivational talks at companies and at the, the kids level, when it comes down to, I mean, this group was about seven to 11, you know, and, the only thing I wanted to drive home was hard work because we're in Kuwait. People don't work hard enough. That's guaranteed. And I just, I, that's the one message I try and drive to this generation is you got to work. You can't have this complacent attitude of, you know, I'm just going to jump up on the bar and do 50 pull-ups. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's definitely not going to happen. But I mean, it's so much different when you're working with the clients and I can imagine it from, you know, especially your perspective when it comes to the Olympic weightlifting and trying to get these guys to push that, you know, push that edge. Yeah, I mean, guess like just coming back to your point about hard work. There's that's where sport comes in, really, isn't it? It's the like it's the the even playing field ultimately. Like you can have like your dad or your mum or whoever could be um, the CEO of a bank or a corporation or whatever it is, but that doesn't mean that you're gonna beat Usain Bolt in the hundred meter final, like just because you managed to buy your way to get there. Like, yeah, you can go and watch. You can go and sit in the stand right next to him, but you can't run on the same pitch because you haven't earned it. Um, and so I think that's where you get people. Obviously, there's um, different ways that people can, like who are more affluent, they can have better opportunities or whatever, but ultimately hard work rules in sport. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people are addicted to the gym and they like going to the gym is because they realize they like doing hard work. However much they kind of, they know about it or not, they enjoy going and testing themselves, finding something they can't do, then finding a way to do it, then doing it, then finding the next thing that they can't do, finding a way to do it, doing it. They enjoy the struggle. Um, and so I think it's just to the extent to which people enjoy enjoy that struggle um, and how long they can stay motivated for. Inevitably, like a coach or someone is going to influence them and inspire them, as we've said, to like aim for higher or more um, aim for actually, if you just, a, you enjoy running 5k or 10k, have you been interested in doing a marathon? It's like, actually someone might be like, that's way too far. I only like running 5k. It's like, okay, but is it just something that you can't do or something you don't want to do? Yeah. You're just comfortable with it yeah. or you know, why do you yeah. think you, you so, can't or you won't like it? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what carries over a lot from kids um, and adults, but kids like just kind of, they don't have, again, they don't have the perception of what they can't do mm-hmm. because they're just like, okay, yeah, cool. I'll go do it. Like, and with the right inspiration and the, they already have that motivation there, the intrinsic motivation that you said inside themselves. It's just about giving them the confidence to go and do it then it's like saying that it's okay as you said about climbing a tree higher it's like it's okay to just go out with the intention of running a marathon that's okay even though everyone all your friends and everything they want to do 5k 
you said you wanted to do a marathon, go do it. Like you've you've got the strength, you've got the power to go do it. And I think it's just more difficult with adults because they have these preconceived ideas of their own abilities. Um, and so it's finding that it's, there's more of a why with the adults because they have to ask themselves, why do I want to make myself uncomfortable when I've lasted this long being comfortable? That's kind of the, the main thing that I find. Kids, uh, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. They're great. And they, we get to work with them and they just kind of, they just want to do everything. They want to jump on the highest box and they'll have 10 goes at doing it, even though they're likely to break an arm, but like they, they'll go for it. Um, and then, yeah, the adults will be like, oh, what if I break an arm the first time? I can, well, what if you don't break an arm? What if you jump on the box? And they're like, oh, yeah. I didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so it's it's, it's And so you have to talk around the barriers that people have built up over, over their adulthood, I yeah. guess. Um, and they're kind of, whether the, the privileges that they may have created for themselves. So Meg, here's yeah. my question for you. Inspiration. Now, uh -huh. how would you inspire a client instead of motivating them? How would I inspire them? Yeah, let's them? flip this on the head. On yeah, head. yeah. <laughs> I think by connecting them to that why, taking them really deep in it of, okay, why are you here? And then whatever the answer is to that question, why is that important to you? Whatever the answer is to that question, it's like, why is that important to you? And getting as deep as we can to that emotional level, whatever the emotional ties on it. And I always tell my clients, if your why doesn't make you cry, then that's probably not it. Like, I want to get that deep with like how into this you are. Um, so I think it's just helping them, inspiring them in that way of like, it's, it's within you. You, you don't need more motivation. You don't need more inspiration. That's the thing that I tell them. It's again, it's the taking the action that's first. So it's understanding why you want it, getting really connected to that. And then what can we start putting into place? And you're going to get more of that motivation, more of that inspiration when you actually just start doing something. Um, so knowing the direction that you want to go, why you want to go that way, why is that so important to you? And then we just kind of reverse it. It's like, if that's where you want to be, then what's one thing that we can do today that might help you step a little bit closer to that? Like, it's not going zero to 100% right away. It's like, what's maybe 1% better than what you're doing right now to where you want to go? Yeah. And they start pulling that inspiration and motivation from themselves just by doing something. Yeah, because it's like kind of gaining that momentum, isn't yeah. it? And then, but then also from our point of view, it's managing the expectations because yes. not every day is going to be moving forward. Some days are going to be taking two steps back. But as long as for the last three or four days, you've been taking one step forward, one step forward, one step forward, two steps back every so often, that's okay. We can manage it. And, that, and you kind of got to know that sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just making sure that people... Because people can get be really motivated, they're flying along. I find this in, in building strength. People are flying along three, four months. They've just been adding plates on, adding plates on, increasing the weight, and then five months, no change, and they're like, "I must be rubbish. That's it. It's <laughs> over." Like, and so okay, well, like this, okay, this is a plateau. Like, you can Google plateau, and there will be so much research. And so much anecdotes of people's own stories about getting through plateaus, how to break it. Is there extra accessory work you need? Is there different mobility work that you need? Like we can find a way around it, but this is just a normal thing to happen. It happens to everyone. And there's, the yeah, there's a great book, the coaching mass, something mastery. I can't remember the name. Um, is it a Robert Green book maybe? Um, but it talks about enjoying the plateau. And that's something that I do talk, especially when people are new to strength training. And I tell them like, of course, when we're learning things in the beginning, like it's going to be PR every day, <laughs> you know, you're learning a lot in the beginning. So it's going to every day is going to be a win. But when you hit that plateau of getting them, let them know that it's coming. 
Like there will be a point to where adding, yeah, a kilo more on the bar is going to like kill you and you can do like a kilo less, maybe like five times and then you add a little bit more and you're like, why the hell can't I do it? <laughs> um, that's very common with females too. Just like a little extra weight on the bar. You can't do it for, you know, even just one more rep. Um, so yeah, managing that expectation, but also getting to like enjoy the plateau. It's like, look how hard you work to get here. Let's ride this. Let's, you know, continue with it. And yeah, what do we have to what do we have to shift? You know, what can we work in a little bit more of where are we seeing the link break? You know, what makes you feel like you can't get past this and start working with that, but getting them to kind of enjoy those plateaus as well. And just know like, yeah, we're going to get through another little hump and then you're going to have another little plateau and it's going to be just above this one. And you start, yeah, managing those expectations. That's good coaching. I mean, that, that comes down to good coaching when you're doing that and managing expectations from that, from that level on both sides. I mean, I think the hardest thing that I've seen is when you have someone that gets to their 11th pull-up and they plateau and you say, come on, you can do this or whatever, you know, come on, you got some more left in the tank and then there's nothing, there's zero. But when you say, oh, you're so awesome at this, you're amazing and you just blow up the whole sky, it's, I'm, I'm localizing it here because I've worked with, majority of the people that I've worked with are the teenagers, kids, have been Kuwaiti. And when I blow them up and blow their egos up, they do a lot better. But as soon as you give them that little bit of constructive criticism, that's it. Mobby. They step back and it's, how do you deal with it? Because I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm, I, you can, you, like, I'm assuming majority of your clients are probably female, if I'm guessing. I'm pretty evenly split right really? now. Most oh, of my awesome. male clients, I have one um, who's in his mid-20s, and then the rest of them are actually like 50 and 60s. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. And that's what I liked about the, actually my first like few real committed clients that I got were like ages 50 and above. And I loved that age group. And I like for a long time, didn't want to work with anybody outside of that because I just feel they're more connected to their why there's some life perspective and experiences and things I've gone on. Like now they're like, okay, I'm nearing retirement. Like really, how do I want to feel in my body and in my day? Um, so I really enjoyed that, but yeah, I'm pretty evenly split with males and females, but it comes down to, um, with the language that you use with them is understanding again, like what's their what's their why. As long as I know that as a coach, then I know kind of how to motivate them and how to talk to them in that. So if I have someone who's looking for, you know, like their confidence and things like that, or, you know, they're struggling because they don't feel strong or beautiful in their body. I'll say things like that's a beautiful lift. Like that's a, you know, strong, I'll use those kind of keywords or like, what did you have to say to yourself to get that, that last wrap up? And as long as I know what their self-talk is, then I can kind of reinforce that with the cues that I'm giving them. But if it is someone who wants to go like, faster and stronger, you know, then you can use those kind of cues with it too. Um, but as long as I understand, yeah, that what's going on inside their head with the, the self-talk, then it like makes it a lot easier to, to pick out those cues yeah. with them. And that's to, absolutely massive. I, mean, yeah. I think that's a, a big thing that separates kind of average PTs from good PTs from great PTs is literally, I think we talked about it previously, just kind of getting feedback from the client yeah, and understanding what are they actually saying to themselves in their head? Like, is it negative? Is it positive? Is it passive? Is it aggressive? Like what, what is it like? So, um, yeah, I think I'm constantly asking clients, doesn't matter what they're doing. Just like, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. How did it, how did it go? What did you feel when you, when you did this? What did you feel when you did that? Um, like, how do you feel right now? Like now we finished. Do you feel happy with yourself? Do you feel like you've done better? Like, what? what is it? Give me some feedback. So, That's huge at the end of the workout yeah. of getting them to recognize that because going back to like the action needing to be taken, it's like it's hard to get to the appointment sometimes. 
like you're sitting at home or at the end of the day after work, like it'd be easier to go home and sit on your butt and not do anything. So sometimes just getting there is hard. But once you get going, once you go out for that walk and you get outside or once you get through the class, like you start to actually feel like you have more energy. And so it's important to yeah, hit that at the end of the session of like, how do you feel now? And after taking that action they're they're happy. All right. Biggest takeaways from today. Go. <laughs> I would Make say first. <laughs> just uh, look at what you need around you to achieve your goal. Um, what sort of things do you have to have to, to be effective? So maybe that's the, the location of the gym. Maybe it's getting yourself a good pair of walking shoes. It's a morning routine. It's an evening routine, something that gets you into bed and feeling good and fresh for your next day. Like look at what you need around you and just think of what can I do? That's 1% better than, you know, not looking at that hundred percent of where you want to go. Just what's 1% better than what I'm doing right now. And just start aiming there. Uh, I'd say coming back to the, the self-talk thing is that actually if you're starting to choose a personal trainer or choosing a coach, start to listen to yourself and kind of, even if you have to note it down, like in a diary, whatever it is, just kind of, if you're working out by yourself at the moment, write down afterwards in the car or whatever, wherever you are, like, what did you say to yourself? Notice how you're speaking to yourself. Um, and then also notice if it changes over time. Um, and it kind of, it'll help build that momentum and build that motivation from within then rather than having to constantly rely on people from outside. That's huge. I like that. I'm going to use the most famous quote of all, the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. You're going Michael Jackson. I'm I was going to say, Jackson. are you going to sing I'm it for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish I remembered all the words, but the man in the mirror, I mean, I think it was Vince Lombardi that said after a game, if you can, you know, look yourself in the mirror and say, I gave it all. I left it all out on the field then I know I did a good job. And that's why I said earlier, like motivation for me, I don't know inspire. I know motivate. It comes from within. It comes from this deep, dark hole that I have that I got when I was four years old because a teacher said that I was differently abled and I'd never learned how to tie my shoes. And until I got my master's degree, that rang in my head all the way through it, all the way till this day. Whenever I do something, I, I remember Mrs. Donahue and what she said to my mother that day. Damn you, Mrs. Donahue. I know. <laughs> I thank her. You know what? I thank her. She's probably, I mean, she's probably long gone. But I, I seriously thank that lady yeah. because that's where I've gotten to where I am in life. And I've done and I've achieved, you know, I've, I've been in some dark places and I've dug myself out of it. But it's the man in the mirror. It's that person. It's taking, like you said earlier, that first step. Take that walk around the block. Schedule it. Get out there. And that's the best way I think someone can go about it is, Find that intrinsic thing that you can control, that you have that um, control over and can create your own path, you know? But I mean, on that note, that's some, that's some deep philosophical bullshit right there. I love it. <laughs> it's not bullshit, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's legit. It's legit. Thank you, that's Mrs. Donahue. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's all down to Mrs. Donahue. Thank you. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. And um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, uh, I am Mehdi Al Oon on Instagram. At Guth Miller Meg. Liam Glynn LG. And we will, until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.